0: Hey, guys, I'm Eric McLean.
1: And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC
0: sports. Let's go.
1: Happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast brought to you by Traeger Grills. Mac, I can't believe it. This is our 75th episode. If you loved the royal family like I do, which I have a feeling you don't because no one does, then you would be calling this our diamond jubilee, which I sound like such a nerd, but that's what the queen will celebrate with her 75 years on the throne. So this is basically the same thing, Eric McLean.
0: I totally agree that it is the same level as importance. Same thing. Same level of how impressive it is that mm-hmm. we have gotten to this moment. Uh, but 75, congrats, KG. Who would have thought that we would have made it here looking way back in October, which is still crazy that our podcast is this young. It feels like we've been doing this forever. Um, but we're here, Big 75, and who else to you know grace us with his presence than our Traeger Grill guest of the week, Mark Packer. The Pac-Man is going to join the show, guys. He has been involved in the sports world since longer than Kelly and I have been alive. Before jumping on network TV, Pac was most known for being the radio host of Prime Time with the Pac-Man. We talk about this story. It is nuts how it happens, guys. You're going to love it. It was really fun to hear about it. But then Pac decided to actually leave that program and to pursue and control his own sports broadcasting business, which included new radio and television shows, in addition to the Southern Fried Football Tour, uh, which if you guys remember that, it was... It was a ton of fun. This guy's an absolute legend. His entrepreneurial flair is really one of the things that made the Pac-Man unique in this industry.
1: Flash forward to the present. Mark Packer is the co-host of Packer and Durham, ACC Network's weekday show from 7 to 10 a.m. Mac, we need to get the same agent as Mark because the show originates from his basement. Now, we talk about this in the interview, and I'll, I make this joke in the interview, but I'll say it again. This guy is the only guy that has excelled during covid by never leaving his basement (laughs) there are guys out there that have not left their basement but i don't think they've excelled in their career by doing so that's just a hunch you can also find pac hosting off campus with mark packer on espnu radio weekday afternoons
0: it is time to talk with our great friend mark packer let's go (laughs) this week's guest is brought to you by traeger grills welcome to the traeger hood All right, guys. We've got the Pac Man, Mark Packer himself, brother. We have so much to cover today. We're super excited to have you join the show. I want to go all the way back to the beginning, though, and and start kind of in your childhood and and growing up with your dad, who who was an absolute you know legend in this industry. W- were you kind of early on? Did you know you wanted to do this and kind of be like your dad, being TV, being you know sports, or was it something that? developed over time.
2: Uh, first of all, have you guys reached the very bottom of guest? I mean, the, the fact that you contacted me to be on this podcast tells me that you have literally run out of all ideas and just said, hey, let's contact Pack because we know he'll at least talk for an hour. <laughs> Can we confirm that before no, I ask questions? No. This no. is the peak. We weren't we sure do if we need were to get ask this out though of you.
1: were you insulted that we had Wes on first?
0: No. Not at all,
2: because you know that
1: was just alphabetical.
2: No, I, I, listen, I, I am flattered that you uh, think that I have something worthy to talk about for an extended period of time. So come on, no, I, I'm not, <laughs> not 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 upset that Wes has been on or anybody else. You guys are rocking it. You guys have become rock stars with ACC Network. So you know the the fact that you've reached the point of maybe. You know we've done everything we wanted to do in this. Now let's go call Mark <laughs> Packer. I'm flattered from that. Now, what was the question again about Billy? I lost <laughs> just just
0: growing up with them. I mean, how was it? Did you did you go to stuff with them? Did you yeah. did you see what your dad did and say I want to do that, or did you just kind of happen over time?
2: I had no interest in being on radio, television, and from a media perspective, I had zero interest in doing any of that. Did we travel with him as kids? Yes. What would Billy would do? Here is what Billy would do: he would give us a list ahead of time, and say, "Hey, you can pick any game you want to go to, and and off to the races you go." Now, keep in mind when he got started doing ACC basketball, Jefferson Pilot, Sail with the Pilot, Game of the Week. You know, we would catch him on a Tuesday night if he was at Carmichael for NC State, North Carolina, or if he was going to Little John on Saturday for Virginia and Clemson. So, you know, we got a chance to see him on TV and that was kind of funny. I always used to get a kick out of people always going, okay, Billy, what do you think, Billy? What do you think this play is going to be Billy? So I started calling him Billy when I was a kid, because that's what everybody, you know, you'd watch all these ACC games and you'd be like, okay, Billy. So, you know, I'd wake up and get ready to go to school in the morning and I'm having my cereal and, you know, Billy would come walking in. I'd go, Hey, Billy, of course, I was a big NC State fan growing up as a kid. So like all fans, you always thought the announcers were out against your team. So if he was doing like an NC State game on a Tuesday night in Raleigh, he'd drive back home to Winston-Salem, and I'd get up the next morning, go to class, go to school, and Billy would walk in. And I'd go, hey, Billy, how come you got it out against Hawkeye Whitney? Or why do you think Kenny – so they got to be like confrontational in the morning with you know this snot-nosed kid calling his dad Billy by name because he was, thought he was uh, you know going after his team on television the night before, but I didn't have any interest at all in being in the media. I mean that never crossed my mind ever growing up as a kid. But um, he would always give us his schedule for the year, and he'd say, "All right, Mark, pick a game." And I always get around about one year. Um, I don't even remember what year it was. I think it was 1980. Well, it was 1980, and he gave me the schedule, and, again, games all over the country. Pick any game you want to go to, and it was fun. It was one of the perks of being the son of Billy Packer growing up, and I picked the Indiana at North Carolina basketball game, uh, which was going to be played in December of 1980. Come on. And he looked at me like, are you nuts? He goes, no, seriously, pick a game. I said, well, that's the game I want to go to, Indiana at North Carolina. He's like, Mark, you know, you've been to Chapel Hill hundreds of times. You could go to UCLA. You could go to Michigan. You could go to Houston. I mean, you pick a spot around the country. We're doing the game. But I wanted to go, and again, growing up in Winston-Salem, to a game an hour and 40 minutes away, and he thought I was nuts. Well, there was a method to my madness, so that's the game I picked. Well, we go to practice, and I get a chance to watch a Bobby Knight practice. I get a chance to watch a Dean Smith practice. And then later that night, Dean Smith, the night before the game, had invited the broadcast crew to go to dinner, including Bobby Knight. So I'm thinking, man, I hit a home run with this. Now, keep in mind, Billy's doing the games with Dick Enberg and Al McGuire at that time. So Dean Smith had picked this exquisite French restaurant (laughs) in Chapel Hill for us to go to dinner. So we show up, and it was Billy and Al and myself. and. We walk in, and Dean Smith has a private room for us. So we walk in, like, you know, hoy polloi, and Al McGuire is a complete free – I mean, he's a freestyle, out-there kind of guy. It was no shtick. It was just the way he operated. And we walked in, and sitting there is Dean Smith. Um, and Here's Al. Here's Billy. Here's myself. Bobby Knight did not go to the dinner. Surprise, surprise. And so we sit down, and the girl walks in, the waitress, and – she starts to basically read the menu. Al McGuire thinks she's singing a song. She gets done reading the menu in French, and Al's clapping, and Dean Smith's over there shaking his (laughs) head going, oh, my God, let me just order for the room. So Dean orders for everybody. By the time he gets done ordering, there's a guy sitting at the end of the table, and he's the guy that is filling in that weekend for Dick Enberg who apparently was doing an NFL game, the guy at the end of the table says, well, coach, I'd like to ask you about the 2-1-2 zone trap and all this stuff. And Al McGuire stops this guy and says, excuse me, who are you? Al had no idea who the guy was. Now, this is the play-by-play guy that they're going to work with. And so this guy is making his debut filling in for Dick Enberg. So here they are, all of us in this room. And Al, not to embarrass anybody, but Al had no idea who the guy was. And so the guy goes, oh, I'm sorry. I need to introduce myself. I'm going to be doing play-by-play. I'll be filling in for Dick Enberg. Well, that guy happened to be Bob Costas. And the rest is history. (laughs) Bob Costas goes on to be one of the legendary broadcasters in the history of sports media. But that was the weekend that I picked. So that was what it was like growing up as Billy's boy, if you will. How old were you at this dinner? I was a a senior in high school. Okay. Uh, For some
1: reason, I'm envisioning, and I'm not putting the year together, obviously,
2: but in that story, I was envisioning like a seven-year-old walking into this fridge restaurant. I I was a senior in (laughs) high school, and ironically, North Carolina went on to win the game the next day, and ironically, later that year, the national championship game, was Indiana, North Carolina, the day Reagan got shot, and Indiana wow. won the national championship. Wow. So kind of crazy. Oh, my
1: goodness. Isaiah Thomas on that team, yes? That's right. Exactly. That's that's inc- So that's what it was like. That was your childhood right there in a nutshell. Well,
2: or I can give you another one that's got nothing to do with basketball. Billy, uh, back in those days, and again, I was in high school, was also the broadcaster for Putt-Putt. And for people that remember the Putt-Putt what? matches on Saturdays <laughs> and Sundays, um, I will never forget this, and I'm not really proud of this, but I'll tell you the story. Uh, They would tape all of those matches in two days in Fayetteville. And so they were 30-minute matches. But the whole season would be taped in two days. But they would play in the fall. So one Sunday, you'd get, you know, it's Kelly against Eric or whatever the case may be. So I already knew the outcome of the matches. You already knew who won the championship. And so I played high school golf. And so I already knew who had won the championship because it was filmed in the middle of summer. So when we have our high school golf matches, all the guys playing golf watch this on Saturdays and Sundays. And so I'd make some side bets oh going, my hey, God. I like Joey Mendoza. who <laughs> went it off to people, people, the Packers, no way Mendoza's going to win. I said, well, whatever you can handle, I think Mendoza's going to win. So I cleaned house in high school <laughs> golf. And those, all those guys thought those matches were live every Saturday and Sunday. They didn't know it was taped in the middle of the summer. So that's how I made some side coin. Uh, and that's, again, part of the beauty of being the son of somebody that's somebody. That is when the young entrepreneur yes. was born.
0: That's right. Right there. That's right.
1: <laughs> exactly. I respect it, Pac. I respect it big time. That's hilarious. Okay, this is the perfect transition from putt-putt to real golf. You mentioned you played golf in high school. You played golf at Clemson. Um, really well.
2: Kelly, yeah. well, really well, hey,
1: you still did. Why? So you said you grew up an NC State fan. You grew up in, you know, Tobacco Road country. Winston-Salem still counts, I would say. So why did you end up picking Clemson?
2: Um, the girl I was dating, again, my, my high school day, I got too many high school stories already. Uh, <laughs> That's I'm when you picked, Pat. No, I was going to say, I normally don't live in that era. Um, but the girl I was dating in high school at the time, all of her relatives lived in Greenwood and Greenville, South Carolina. And again, I grew up in Winston-Salem. And so she asked one weekend, hey, let's go down and see some of my relatives. We'll go to a Clemson football game. I said, cool, whatever you want. I couldn't, I couldn't find Clemson on a map when I was in high school. So we <laughs> went down <laughs> there. And keep in mind now, growing up in Winston-Salem, I was used to going to Grove Stadium for a Wake Forest Saturday in front of 13,000 screaming fans. So this was, again, 1980. And we'd go down for the North Carolina Clemson football game. And game. that was ironically the last year North Carolina won the ACC championship. And we're sitting on the hill. And I still remember to this day driving down and seeing all these tiger paws on the road and tiger paw flags. I'm like, what is going on with these people? I mean, are they lost their minds? And we rolled in there and the tailgating was incredible. We're sitting on the hill. I didn't even know about the tradition of rubbing the rock and coming down the hill. Uh, cannons are going off. It's loud. And I was just in awe of a Saturday in Death Valley. And ironically, that was a game that uh, the Tigers had the ball in about the two-yard line with about a minute to go, trailing. They made a great comeback in the fourth quarter. And uh, North Carolina stopped them basically in the goal line, won the game, won the ACC title eventually. But I remember getting back home and Billy and Barb, mom and dad, We're sitting at the kitchen table and I walked in and Billy said, well, how was your weekend? And I said, well, it was awesome. I said, I think I know where I'm going to go to school. And I thought he fell off the couch. I mean, I thought he was going to like, what? I said, (laughs) Clemson was awesome. And the rest is history. And for me, it came down to Clemson or Georgia to pick a school. And uh, But that weekend in Death Valley changed everything for me.
0: Wow. How about that? And then to go on and, and play golf at Clemson. And I want to ask you about uh, Coach Penley and just the, I mean, obviously amazing career that he had. But as we were preparing for this interview, I was trying to do some research. Did you play with him? Did you live with him? Were you coached by him? I couldn't figure out or all of the above. What was it? All
2: of those? It was. I think it was all of those and none of those. Because um, <laughs> you got to understand when I was in Clemson, uh, Bobby Robinson uh, was the golf coach, and uh, given the transition that was taking place, Bobby eventually was going to become the athletic director. Uh, so Clemson had to replace him from a golf perspective. Larry, who I did not know, he was older than me, um, was on the mini tour and was coming back to get his degree. And so the fact he was from Dallas, North Carolina, at the time I was living in Charlotte, North Carolina, before going to school, we just hit it off. We we became best buds. And at that time, too, when it was heading into my junior year, I was getting interested in television. I was doing some work for Jefferson Pilot and Raycom being a stage manager and production assistant. So I was really more into that than I was playing golf. And so it turned out just to be a perfect storm that Larry was going to take over. Uh, I ended up being his roommate. I still had access to the golf team, but I really wasn't on the golf team, um, and I was doing all this stuff with Jefferson Pilot and Raycom so. I really had the best of all worlds. I was a student. I was, you know, messing around with this television thing. And I was still tied in with Clemson. And Larry and I became best buds. And uh, the rest is history. And I am so proud of him. It's hard to believe 38 years, uh, his incredible success. He was always a great people person. Salt of the earth. So was his family. Uh, I could not be prouder of a guy that that I've ever met at Clemson than Larry Penley. He was been great for the sport he's been great for the school uh he's done it the right way and he's won with class and so thrilled to death but all those days got started back in 82 and 83 uh how we just kind of our paths crossed and uh the rest is history but uh, just a great great person and again could not be happier for him and heidi all the kids the grandkids and everybody that's played for him.
1: no doubt he's he's a clemson legend um, he's not Mark Packer, but, you know, he's right up there, oh, I would the say.
2: <laughs>
1: he is. Okay, you, you mentioned you're starting to get interested in the TV thing and and just sports sports media and all that. And I'm sure most people listening know that you had your show, Primetime with the Pac-Man, that ran forever um, in the Carolinas. And, and so how did that come to be? Like, obviously, Billy was more of a traditional game guy. So how did that come to be for you, Pac?
2: I uh, every time I speak to a college class, I get that question. How do I how did you get started? And I I shake my head and go, I'm going to tell you this story. I'm going to condense it because it's really about a two hour story. I'll condense (laughs) it uh, for the podcast. Um, And my career path to get to doing this is so wrong and so stupid that people will go, you're making this up and it's the God honest truth. And before I even tell you how it got started, it really got started. Uh, in the early 90s when I was working for the Blockbuster Bowl. Uh, and that was owned by Raycom Sports. And I worked there for one That's year. That's a throwback. That you can't. In fact, I stole, the day they fired me, I stole the game ball. <laughs> and it's in here somewhere. <laughs> That's a true story. But nevertheless. The Gen
1: Zers listening to us are like, Blockbuster? What is Blockbuster? What are you talking about?
2: <laughs> yeah, there's one Blockbuster video store left, and it's in Oregon. But back then... <laughs> Uh, Wayne Heisinger who created all this stuff, it was bigger than life. But So I worked for the Blockbuster Bowl, and I still have, to this day, contacts and friends for life. And it was a fun experience from that standpoint, but it was, I had no interest in ever doing it again after one year. The reason I bring this up because it sets up what happened to me. I met a guy at Blockbuster Bowl by the name of Terry Hansen. He worked for Raycom Sports. He was an executive. I met him one time, one time only. Seven years later, and I went through a bunch of crazy stuff I was trying. I, and the Blockbuster thing didn't work out. I had tried construction work. And I, I mean, I did dabble in all kinds. Of, I just couldn't find my niche. I did have a sports marketing company, which I started, but I didn't love it. I mean, I, did, I dealt with it, but it was crazy. But this guy, Terry Hansen, who I met in 1991, calls me up six years, seven years later out of the blue. I says, Mark, it's Terry Hansen. Hey, I'm, I'm working with this sports talk radio show and station that's getting ready to take off in Charlotte. And I thought of you and thought that you, with your marketing company, might want to meet the uh, general manager. Might be an opportunity. I said, sure, I'll meet with him. Whatever. Got nothing to lose. At the time, I'm married now. I've got Gigi, who's all of about six months old. So life is completely upside down. So I go for this meeting. I show up to the meeting. I walk into the manager's office. He's not there. He's some hotshot from WEDI in Boston, Mike Kellogg, typical Bostonian, drinking coffee, dunking donuts, going 1,000 miles an hour. And he shows up about five or 10 minutes after I'm in his office. He sits down and says, are you Mark Packer? I said, I am. He goes, great. Uh, Pleasure meeting you. I heard a lot about you. He goes, "Uh, do you know this guy, Matt Pinto? I said, I have no idea who that is. He goes, well, he does the afternoon radio show for us. I want you guys to meet. Hold on a second. He's yelling down the hallway. Hey, Matt, Matt, come on down. Come on down. So I'm sitting there going, what is going on? I mean, this is literally the meeting. And so Matt walks in, sits down. And he goes, listen, I want you two to talk, pack. I want you to come back. You two guys do a show for one hour, and I'll catch you later. I got to go. He gets up and walks out of the office. And I'm looking at Matt Pinto going, well, dude, I, you know. And Matt says, well, I guess we're going to do a show today. Uh, the show starts at three. I got stuff to do. He gets up and walks out. I'm sitting in the dude's office. The meeting lasted 45 seconds. I get up, walk out. I'm furious. Drive home. I'm home in like 20 minutes. My wife's got Gigi. The baby's screaming. She goes, God, you, you weren't gone very long. I said, I just had the worst meeting ever. She goes, what happened? So I explained it. What are you going to do? I said, I have no earthly ID. I guess I'll go back and do an hour on radio. She goes, what do you know about doing that? I said, absolutely nothing. So I study. I'm getting caught up to speed on the Panthers and, you know, whatever else is going on, the Hornets or whatever. I go back to the same radio station at 3 o'clock. said, ma'am, I'm here to do a radio show. She goes, down the hall, take a left, take a right, can't miss it. So I do an hour with this guy, Matt Pinto. It goes by in a second, in a second. And he taps you on the shoulder and goes, well, I guess we're done. I said, what are you talking about? We're done. He goes, well, our hour's up. I couldn't believe how fast it went by. So I took the headset off thinking, well, all right. I thought I did pretty good. So I opened up the door expecting to see Mike Kellogg or anybody else go, hey, you were awesome. You were great. Nothing. There's not a soul in the building. (laughs) And I'm walking. I am so ticked off. Like, you've got to be kidding me. I've wasted two trips to this stupid radio station. There's nobody here. Nobody knows what's going on. I get in the car. I cuss all the way home. I get home thinking, well, at least my wife's going to give me a you know, thumbs up. Nice job. Same thing. Open up the door. Gigi's screaming. Wife's looking at me. She goes, well, how'd it go? I said, what do you mean how to go? you not listening? She goes, no, I didn't listen. So now I'm really ticked. <laughs> the phone rings later that night, and it's Terry Hansen. The same guy, Terry Hansen. My wife hands me the phone. I said, good. I need to talk to this guy. I cuss him out. I cuss him out for two minutes straight. You know, you got a lot of nerve. I hadn't heard from you in seven years. You call me up, give me an opportunity. There's nobody there. This guy don't want to listen. I got to go back. to. I go through the whole deal. He goes, are you done? I said, yeah, I am done. And I hung up, hung up. And my wife's looking at me like, Mark, are, what, what, what's your problem? Are you an idiot? What, what's, your, what's the problem? I said, I didn't want to hear him from him. He calls back. My wife talks to him and says, hey, I want to talk to you again. I get the phone. I said, what do you want? He goes, we want to offer you a job. I said, I have no interest. Thank you. Goodbye. Click
0: no,
1: you hung up
2: on him again? Twice. Listen, I went to the radio station twice. I figured I'm even. I hung up on him twice. Now she's really mad at me. My wife's really ticked off at me. So she wouldn't talk to me for a day and a half. She goes, you know, first of all, you're rude. Second of all, you're hard headed. Third of all, you, and they offer you a job. You said you went in there for an hour. It was easy. It was fun. They're now going to offer you an opportunity to be paid to do something you thought was easy. And you hang up on the guy, you're an idiot. So now I'm really ticked off. My wife's mad at me. I've hung up on them. So two or three days go by, and Terry Hansen ends up calling me back later in the week. He said, have you calmed down? I said, I have. He goes, well, we're interested in offering you the job for the 12-3 to 3 slot, the new WFNZ in Charlotte. And I took it. And so wow. I bounced out that gig with my sports marketing gig. And ironically, Matt Pinto, the guy I did the deal with, he left to become the play-by-play voice of the Dallas Mavericks. About six weeks later, and the station did a national search to replace him. And Mike Kellogg, the boss, ended up calling me and going, hey, just want to let you know, we've uh, found the right guy to host uh, the afternoon drive show. And I was like, well, that's cool. Great. Look forward to meeting him. You know, fine with me. Whoever you hire, I don't care. He says, well, don't you want to know who it is? I said, "I doesn't really matter to me. Whoever it is, I'm sure they're really talented. They said, oh, yeah, he's real talented. But we thought you'd like to know. I said, well, who is it? He said, It's you. (laughs) <laughs> i said well i said i didn't offer, i didn't ask for that job i don't want that job i've now i finally figured out after six weeks how to do the 12 to 3 slot and still in my other business now you're gonna make me do three to seven it's gonna screw me all up he goes well you got the weekend to figure it out because monday you're the host of prime time of the pac-man and the wow. rest wow is how about that my goodness yeah <laughs> that a is story. definitely
1: not I would not tell people to do it that way, but (laughs) hey, it worked out.
2: (laughs) That's funny. I always get that question when I talk to to college students. I'm like, this is not exactly the path, (laughs) but there is a point to that. And that is that everybody's got their own path, just like what you guys are doing with all the great success you've had. You know, you've got to go with what works for you. And you can't compare that, hey, here's how Bob Costas did it, here's how Billy did it, here's how. Al Michaels, everybody's different. And you know my deal was dumb luck and then a bunch of hard work and the rest is history, became the perfect storm.
1: And Pac, I want to ask you this too, because I think you're the perfect example of this. I actually had someone reach out to me recently via email and asking some questions, which again, I don't feel qualified to give any advice, but I try. And one thing I said was, in order to, I think, make it, quote unquote, to do this job, you got to be educated. you got to be prepared. you got to know your stuff, but you also need to be yourself. Like, don't be afraid to be yourself, whatever. If you're funny, be funny. If you're quirky, be quirky, whatever. And I think you do a great job pack of just being yourself. Is that part of why you think this whole thing came about because you were just yourself on radio and then it took off?
2: Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to impress anybody. If you like it, man, soak it all up. If you think it stinks, please find something that that you find entertaining, so I don't ever worry. Never have, even when this thing got started back in '97, I never worried about outside noise or, uh, you know, what, what's on social media now. I don't care. You know, it. You know, it's like doing the stuff on SiriusXM XM radio, uh, and I, and I love the hate mail. I mean, I do. I, I respond to everybody, and it's like, hey, if you don't like what we're doing, I got good news for you. Sirius XM will give you two hundred channels where I. Promise you, there is something on there that you're going to love, and it's the same thing with ACC Network. You know, when when, uh, people say whatever whatever a critique could be, I'm like, well, that's you know, I'll listen, but you know, hey, the cool thing is you got options and things to do. So, um, you know, the the business has changed; it's always changing, whether it be radio or TV, and that's always a challenge. But I, you know, Kevin, I couldn't agree with you more. You just got to be who you are, and we've all got flaws. We're all going to make mistakes. Uh, But the intent is to put together a really fun, entertaining show. And if you learn something great, if it make you laugh, better yet. So, um, you know, I think too many times people get in this business, especially sports talk radio and trying to be vindictive or trying to be the person that's trying to show off or take somebody down. You know, one of the most valuable pieces of information I was ever told before I got started with this was a guy they brought in from WEEI radio. Eddie Arnold, who was just a legendary figure. And he told me before I ever started, he said, Pac, let me give you a bit of advice. And it's so true. He said, before you say something about somebody, imagine them sitting right beside you. And if you're comfortable saying it, go for it. But if you're not, don't. And I think that Sports Talk Radio, quite frankly, has obliterated that line. And there's just some people that want to be you know, just uh, kind of a smart ass and hard, you know, just let me show you how tough I am. You'd never say that if they were sitting there looking you right in the face. And now I just think if you live by those rules on radio and TV, you're good to go. It doesn't mean you can't be critical. You can certainly be critical, but there's a way to do it. And I think over time, I've learned to be able to do that and be fair. And I think if you're fair and honest and be yourself at that that combination will always work and will always be in style. I love that, Pac. That, that is, you know, tremendous advice. And, and I
0: think you're absolutely right. I mean, especially for us on a conference network, talking about kids at the end of the day is we can be critical, but, but being fair is the biggest thing. And understanding that there are other things going around these uh, student athletes' lives and, and different things of that nature that all add up to this. So we're going to transition a little bit here from the radio side, which is really the origins to TV. But a question I have as we transition to this for you is talk about how different radio and TV is. And I'm talking to two people right here who do this professionally, but it's not the same. And I hear people say that, you know, TV guys or girls cannot do radio or, or it takes them a little bit longer. What are, what are some of the biggest differences or challenges with
2: going from back and forth? I think they are polar opposites. I mean, it's not even a matter of, hey, are they similar? No, they're not even similar. They're polar opposites. Um, for example, uh, Packer and Durham, Monday through Friday for three hours, I kind of feel like we connect the dots. Like they're really, I call them the smart people in Bristol, and they are. really incredibly talented people in Bristol, uh, who put together the show. And they basically lay it out for us, and we connect the dots and fill the void with commentary, based on our experiences, something we see, uh, something we like, something we dislike. But really, the hard, heavy lifting is done in television by by the production staff, uh, the producers, the directors. uh, And we kind of talk around the pictures. For radio, when I'm doing my afternoon radio show, it is exactly the opposite. There are no dots. It's up to me to determine what I think the listener wants to talk about. And I got to figure that out. that's what that's why you know people who are doing radio for a long period of time, you have a handle and a feel for what people really want to talk about. And if you're going to tell a story, make it interesting. Don't put me to sleep. So to me, The job descriptions are very different. And that's why I love my job because I really am have two full-time jobs and they're totally different. They're totally different. Even though they fall under, you know, radio television, they could not be any further from the truth in terms of being similar in any shape, way, or form. Um, and, And they're both different challenges. I'm still learning with television radio. I feel like I could do a radio show literally with my eyes closed and uh, I've been doing it for so long. TV, I learn something new every day on television. I, every day I learn something. And like anything else, the more you do it, the better you should get, whether it be doing a television show, whether you're gardening, whether you're mowing your yard, whether you're walking your dog. I mean, every day you should get better if you keep doing it on a daily basis.
0: Well, talk to me about this, pack, And and this was, I mean, a, a big struggle for, for me, and struggle is relative, um, in kind of having year one on TV and then this year two that we all experienced on the network with COVID that we kind of had to relearn how to do TV because everything was remote for you. And by, I mean, by yourself in in that basement, there's a lot more technology in there than what I was dealing with. But I mean, what did you really, what can you take away from this year? I'm sure there's a ton of things or, or maybe not, but what, if there was one or two things, what could you take away that I guess will help you moving forward when
2: hopefully things are are kind of back to normal. Well, the dogs miss Wes. That that would be the first <laughs> thing I would tell you. Uh, Chester and Fuller, they would always appreciate, you know, you folks need to understand that ESPN built this studio here in my basement. This is before COVID, all right? And to be honest with you, COVID didn't affect me at all because this thing was built, which I'm sitting in right now. In fact, I would turn the computer around to give you the, the whole view here, but I mean, I've got four television cameras. I got 29 lights. I mean, it's really incredible. I mean, really, it's incredible. And so that part of it when COVID hit didn't really affect me at all because I was still coming down the steps. You know, I'd wake up at 3 30, take the dogs out. You know, I've worked on the show the night before. Whatever happened in the middle of the night with the two hours of sleep I got, I'd start you know putting pieces together. What I wanted to talk about. So my day really didn't change at all with COVID. I spend 18 hours a day in the basement, whether it be doing the radio show and you know, prepping for it and three hours on the air or three hours you know, in the morning on television and prepping for it. So I'm down here all the time. So that didn't really affect me one iota. Guys like you and, you know, Kelly, if you're at home and all of a sudden there's a camera in front of you as opposed to being in a television studio, that's totally different. So that didn't really affect me at all. Um, And keep in mind, like when Wes was here in Charlotte and one of these days we'll get back together again, uh, you know, he'd come rolling down here at six o'clock in the morning and the dogs would bark and, you know, it'd just be kind of the deal. And I was like, I just hope I don't keep the neighbors up for crying out loud. So the COVID thing didn't really affect me. And I'm the last guy to ask because (laughs) I've got the coolest setup of anybody at ESPN. I've got four television cameras and and. The only thing I had to worry about was I was so used to taking the dogs out before we did the television. I would take them out through this room because this is where I would do radio only. And because there was four cameras in here, you know, at two o'clock in the morning, I'd take the dogs out. I'd come down here in my underwear and a baseball hat <laughs> and not realize the cameras were on. So for somebody in those poor folks back in Bristol, there was somebody getting an eyeful with me come down. There and I realized, oh, my God, if I see a green light on, the cameras are on. So I had to start realizing, oh man, I'm gonna take the dogs out at two o'clock in the morning. I had to put some clothes on before I took them out. So I was always cognizant. That was the biggest thing I learned that you gotta be careful. And even in like a, a Saturday afternoon, I got a couple TV monitors in here. Um I there have been times I've done the radio show in Sirius XM, and there's a camera literally over my head, over where we do the radio right here beside me. And the, the lens would move. And it would scare me half to death. And I realized that there was somebody in Bristol messing around with the cameras, looking at what's going on in here. So um, I, it's like having the ultimate 24-7 security system. That's right. All the police are in Bristol, Connecticut. So I don't know if that answered your question, but it's all over the place. Wow, that's Act, great.
1: You give a whole new meaning to the guy who didn't leave his basement for a year because of COVID. <laughs> you're, the, you're a completely different version of that. Completely
2: different. I kid around, and I said, you know, Amy would leave like a, a, a bologna sandwich or some cookies and stuff underneath the door. And she'd realize like, hey, when he goes down into the basement, he's gone for the day and, and it's nice and cool down here. And I'll turn the lights off and the dogs are sound asleep and they're snoring. So I literally live about 18 hours a day down here in the basement. It's crazy.
1: Okay. Before we talk some football, 2021, we're going to preview the season a little bit. This is a logistics question, and I'm not sure if you've ever addressed this. Did you have to clear this basement studio with like your HOA and do all the people in your neighborhood know this is happening?
2: (laughs) Um, This is a true story. Um, When ESPN decided to do this, I thought they were crazy because (laughs) this basement is really it's really small. This this part of the basement and it just had a couch and uh, a table. And that's where I do the Sirius XM show. Kelly, Kelly, oh my did you hear God. he said this part of the basement? There, yeah. There's
0: more. Of
1: oh, the oh, yeah. Because, Mac, oh, yeah. you've seen it. I still haven't received oh, that, yeah. uh, that okay. invite.
2: Oh, you got an open invite. Anybody can come to visit. You got the code. Um, <laughs> so, when they came to look at it, I was embarrassed. I'm like, oh my God, they're going to walk in here and go, what were we thinking? This has got no chance of working. And I had an air conditioning unit over here. I mean, it was a mess. And they walked in and went, oh, no, this will be great. It's going to work out great. So I thought they were – got to be crazy. No way this thing's going to work. But it did. I mean, it worked to perfection. So I don't know what to tell you about the base, though. But, I mean, it's, you know, it's got a little bit of – I mean, we've now got all this stuff that's been sent to us. Like Florida State the other day sent us a javelin, which was so cool. I mean, it is so cool. But you can see stuff behind me. we got the – uh, Notre Dame fencing helmet and Josh Passchner mask. face hey, shield. That. Here's the, the shield. Here's the other side. we got stuff all over the place. So, so one, is one your question, HOA I'm, cool with it? That's my question. Oh, yeah, the HOA. So the, the funny thing is, um, when we first started doing this, ESPN had to put two giant satellite trucks. I mean, with <laughs> the giant satellites in our backyard. And those things would get cranked up at 3 in the morning. And they had generators. I mean, it was a mess. My wife was going to strangle me. I said, listen, in the long run, this is going to work out. Just bite the bullet because they still were trying to figure out a way to get the show back to Bristol before they rewired the house and put all the equipment in it. And so we would have the generators and it was cranking. so what we decided to do was the week before the show started and the ACC Network launched, we had a cocktail hour for the entire neighborhood. And so we threw a catered drinks, food. We opened up the doors. He had the neighbors come in so they could see the studio and just say, hey, listen, there's going to be crazy hours, crazy people. So don't panic. So that's what's going on. So they ended up all being cool about it. But the problem was the first week of the show, uh, we had the Wake Forest Demon Deacon mascot show up and he, he comes motorcycle. in like with a motorcycle. <laughs> And so, you know, he's six o'clock in the morning and that thing's flying down the street and coming down the driveway and he's busting through the French doors. And I was thinking, man, if we end up surviving doing this, it'll be a miracle. But the rest is history and the neighbors are cool with it. But There you go. Oh, Pac, I love it. The, the
0: origin stories that we have heard on this podcast so far are, are tremendous. We're, we're going to wrap up here and talk a little bit of football before we let you go and just what we're, we're looking at in this 21 season. I know it's early. And I know a lot of things could change, but specifically looking, you know, at the coastal side, you know, what, what has caught your eye? Who do
2: you think is coming out of that thing? You know, what are you thinking with the coastal chaos? Uh, coastal, I think, as we sit here in early June, uh, given the fact that Sam Howell is so dynamic and it's going to be up for the Heisman, knock on wood, he stays healthy. Uh, that offensive line's back. I know that Mac will find guys, frisbee catching dogs. He'll find them. Uh, they'll find backs. I think North Carolina is the conversation piece in June. Uh, I know they're excited down in Miami with De'Ara King coming back. And, of course, that schedule early will be a test, especially with Bama in week one. Uh, I think the conversation, though, is North Carolina in the coast. Um, I just think Mack's done a great job recruiting. Uh, he's revitalized the fan base that got a little flat and stale. Uh, they're doing a great job in-state. Uh, they've got players. They've got dudes. They've always had good players. Um, so I, I would say the lean would be North Carolina in the coastal. Uh, Miami will be intriguing. I'm curious to see how they handle the first couple weeks of the season. Bama is obviously going to be a test, but a game like Appalachian State in week two will be telling to me, because let's be honest, I think nobody in their right mind thinks Miami is going to beat Bama If they don't you back in week two against a really talented team that will be excited to see you when you might not be excited to see them. And that will tell me where Miami is. I am fascinated with Virginia Tech. Uh, It's a huge year for Justin Fuente. And, oh, by the way, first game, Friday night, Lane Stadium, you got center stage, and here comes North Carolina. Man, if there's ever been a trend-setting, tone-setting game it's that one. And, again, I know there'll be a lot of talk about Clemson, Georgia, and Miami, Alabama, and, you know, uh, Ole Miss, Louisville. The list goes on. Florida State, Notre Dame. But North Carolina, Virginia Tech, week one is a big, big deal. So that's how I look at the coast.
1: That's a huge game, especially UNC on the road because they, they stumbled a few times on the road last year. So kind of need to prove that early. In the Atlantic, look, we Clemson is the, is the favorite. I think we can all agree on that. If there is a team that can challenge them, back in the Atlantic, are you buying this Boston College hype, or are you high on a few other teams in the Atlantic?
2: I like Halfley. I think Jeff Halfley proved a lot to me in year one. Not only was he good, but we're so used to BC, and, and Mac, you'll appreciate this, guys just lining up with a great offensive line and pounding you with power. I mean, Jeff Halfley rolls in there, gets him a quarterback, and says, hey, guess what we're going to do? We're going to throw it all over the yard. And Dracovic was out of sight. And, man, they've got frisbee-catching dogs now uh, that could play for anybody in this league. So, yeah, I am buying Boston College, and they will totally fly underneath the national radar from that perspective. I thought Dave Doran had a huge year last year. They had to have a bounce-back season, and they did. I think they get a lot of pieces back. Uh, they'll get an early test with Mississippi State on the road in Stark Vegas, which I think will be telling to see just how good NC State is and how they can handle that on the road, and then they'll get Clemson late September at Carter-Finley. So I think NC State's a team to keep an eye on. Uh, BC is legit, without question. Uh, And I always think that Dave Clawson does a brilliant job coaching Wake Forest. And that will be another team that won't get a whole lot of talk, but yet, you know what, they'll win a bunch of games. And I think the cool thing for the ACC is when you've got 13 to 14 quarterbacks coming back, it all starts with that position. Uh, And if you've got competent people in that position, you have a chance to do something. And I think the league this year, coming off last year, I know the bowl season was disappointing. I think ACC football should be pretty good in 21. There is no question about it.
0: Pac, this was so much fun. Thank you for your time. The stories better than advertised. Uh, thanks for sharing it with us <laughs> and our listeners
2: today. Anytime, guys. Keep up the great work.
1: Packer, truly one of the biggest sports radio voices in the industry, especially in college sports, and we talk about being yourself. He is always himself. I love that about Pack, and little do people know that when I called Mac first off to um, suggest this podcast, he hung up on me twice and (laughs) cussed me out, just like Packer did. None of those things
0: are true, just so it's clear. (laughs)
1: They're basically the same.
0: I do got to tell you what, Kelly. He was so much fun to talk with, just his story, you know really, what was impressive to me, and this is kind of what I tell everybody is there's no right way mm-hmm. to get in the business. Mark, let us know about maybe a wrong way to do it, uh but there there is no blueprint and, and I think people should find that encouraging, you know especially young people aspiring to do what we do and to get into sports media, whether it's in journalism, as an analyst covering on t v reporter, et cetera. Uh, there's a ton of ways to do it. Mark Backer let us in on his, and man, what a story.
1: What a story. And Mac, you know, to get into sports media, there's a lot of different ways, right? To get your dad the best gift possible and to make sure that you are grilling the best food possible, there's only one way, Eric McLean.
0: That's right, Kelly Gramlich, and it is Traeger. Traeger is the only wood-fired outdoor grill that smokes, grills, barbecues, and even bakes. Guys, you see it all the time on my social media. When I'm firing up on the Traeger, it is a good night at the McLane household. There are endless possibilities on the Traeger and it is so easy to use. Every time I fire it up, I feel like a barbecue pro. And you know who else, Kelly Gramlin would love to feel like that said barbecue pro? Your dad, my dad, all of our listeners' dad. Father's Day is coming, guys. Kind of like winter, Game of Thrones reference. And if you want to thank your dad for the bad jokes, and the great food getting, get him what he really wants for Father's Day, a Traeger Wood Fire Pellet Grill. Kelly, from June 11th to June 20th, you'll get a free ultimate grill bundle loaded with $150 worth of pellets, rubs, accessories, and more. Or you could choose the $100 off option by selecting Traeger Grills at that option when you check out. Guys, listen, go to traeger.com today and get your Traeger Grill.
1: Okay, Mac, it is time for our This or That segment. This has really become our favorite segment of the podcast. We're going to discuss a couple of topics and then decide and debate. Would you take this one? Would you take that one? Mac, I'm about to grill you with this <laughs> This or That question. Okay, the sleeper team. You have to pick a sleeper team, a team that's flying under the radar a little bit, especially nationally. Maybe not as much here on the Gramlick and MacLean podcast, but... Your sleeper team in the ACC is it the Pitt Panthers or the Wake Forest Demon Deacons?
0: Hmm, I, I really like this question because I think it is, you know, really two teams that are, are going to be very different. And, and I'm going with Wake Forest, and this is why. And, and people really? who know me might think this is crazy because I love Pitt, but. I think Wake Forest wide receiver room is going to be tremendous. You know, I really think that they're going to kind of look like when Scotty Washington was there, Sage Surratt, Kendall Hinton. I think they have that type of ability um, in the deep threat, going across the middle, different routes here and there. So I'm very excited to see what Wake Forest is going to present this year. And Sam Hartman, of course, is another big piece of that puzzle. He's back. He's going to be starting from the jump. Uh, just a guy that has a lot of confidence and I think is going to be able to take another big step forward for Wake Forest. So I'm, I'm going with the Demon Deacons.
1: Mac, I am a huge Demon Deacon proponent, okay? I definitely am. And the fact that you bring Sam Hartman back is great. I love those wide receivers. And, you know, Wake can run the ball, which is something that Pittsburgh hasn't shown that they can do, at least in recent history. Two things for why I'm picking Pittsburgh. First and foremost, let's look at the schedule. Wake Forest, I'm a little worried for them. I think these schedules are pretty similar, but I'm a little worried for Wake because their November is brutal. So if you don't get a bunch of wins early, then I'm worried for Wake. At UNC, NC State, at Clemson, at Boston College, that's your November. That's really tough. Pittsburgh, their schedule is more difficult in the beginning and in the middle their November, there's a lot of winnable games. They play Duke, Virginia, and Syracuse. So these two schedules are shaping up very differently for both of these teams. Why I like Pittsburgh, I love that they're bringing back Jordan Addison, the runner-up for ACC Rookie of the Year. You pair him with Kenny Pickett. And I think bottom line, Mac, is I trust Pittsburgh to be able to reload defensively. This was a great defense last year, number one rushing defense in the country, or in the country, excuse me, in the ACC. I think they're going to be able to reload. Whereas Wake Forest defense has struggled really the past three, four years. And if they don't force turnovers, they can't stop anyone. So as someone who believes in offense, this is very weird, but I'm going to go with Pittsburgh's defense and that easier end of the schedule. So I'm going to go Pitt.
0: I like that. And I like your reasoning. And as you said, I have zero confidence in Wake Forest defense. I think they're going to score 35 plus a game. I think they're going to give up 35 plus a game. So that's what it's going to come down to. I think it's going to be fun games. I just think that offense is is going to be more productive than Pitts. I think they're going to get into the end zone more. So with that being said, that's, that's why I'm giving them uh, kind of the lean there. But I, I like your pick.
1: I wish they played each other.
0: I do too. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. Wouldn't it be fun if everybody played and we could really see that? But looking at our next one, this or that, who would you rather be coached by? Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech. Which is kind of a new blood guy, a, a hip guy, a guy that really is in lock with the culture. 404 mm-hmm. shout out.
1: Culture with the cat. With
0: that, Mac Brown from UNC, who is a very established coach. And this is probably unfair. You have Texas roots. So I think I know where you're going here. But, you know, just an older guy that that, you know, has definitely evolved and, and really kept up with the times well, but obviously very different guys.
1: Look, Mac Brown rocks his J's. Okay. He's he's hip. He's hip with the culture. He knows about the TikTok. All right. He's all over it. But I see why you pose this question, because Jeff Collins is that younger, um, hipper coach. He's really embraced Atlanta and Waffle House. And I think he's done a great job with that. He's done a great job by attracting younger. I mean, all recruits are young, attracting them to Georgia Tech by being that, you know, I'm one of the cool kids coach. And then Mac Brown, he is an older gentleman who's been around the block a few times, but I still think he tries to be somewhat hip. He's wearing his J's, he's doing his Simon Says dance in the locker room. (laughs) That being said, Mac, you know, you know where I lie here. And there's nothing against Jeff Collins, but it's Mac Brown. He's a legend. And the difference maker, too, you can go with the young, up-and-coming guy, or you can go with the little older, maybe a little more out-of-touch coach who's won a national championship. And that's what is the kicker for me with Mac Brown. He has that experience. He knows what it takes to get a program to the next level. And, you know, he, he rocks those J's. He knows what he's doing in that regard. So I'm, I'm going to go with Mac Brown.
0: I, I like that. And I like your reasoning there. And, and I think it's a little bit interesting because, you know, I was kind of faced with this kind of situation at Clemson. You know, I had a very young up and coming coach and and maybe not even up and coming yet. I mean, he was in his mm-hmm. uh, second or third year in Dabo Sweeney. And it's this new guy of everybody saying, what the heck's going to happen? What's he going to do? And I actually decommitted from Tennessee because they fired that older coach that maybe was a little untou- or out of touch with how things are going. And so I I actually had to make this decision uh, and went with the younger Ooh. guy. So I'm going to do that as well here. You know, I think what Coach Collins is doing is very special. I, I think with the whole NIL thing coming, I think that they are going to be so locked into that um, that everything on the field will, of course, take care of itself. I love his energy. I love his belief in in the the number system of giving his leaders, you know, kind of these single digits and guys you can rely on. And I just remember going back to a practice at Georgia Tech and just seeing – you know, practice wasn't going the the right way or how he wanted and, and things were getting a little out of hand, a little bit sloppy. He blew, blew the whistle, sent everybody to the sidelines, defense on one side, offense on the other side. And instead of like just running until guys threw up, he called his seniors to the middle. He called his single digit guys to the middle and said, this is your team. Is this how you want to practice? Let me know. Cause we can keep going or we can handle this and, and adjust appropriately. And so they started over the drill they were doing. The seniors took charge and it got everything right. So I was just very impressed with that. And, and again, seeing how I already made this decision once in my life, I'm, I'm leaning towards, uh, towards Jeff Collins and, and Georgia Tech.
1: I love that story, Mac. That, that's a great, you're taking us behind the curtain there. And to me, Jeff Collins, he does strike me as very much a player's coach, no doubt about it. Um, but when I see Mac Brown at ACC kickoff, I will tell him what you said here and I'll make sure he knows. <laughs>
0: That's right. Hey, Mac Brown. Mac Brown knows my allegiances. He knows that uh, I, I'm a diehard of him and and his team. So I, I think he'll he'll cut me some slack there. All right, this is time for the top secret question, guys. You know we do it every week. Kelly has a little bit of insight on the things we do on the show. Not this question. She has no clue that it's coming. This is her live and now reaction. All right, Kelly, this or that? Would you expand the college football playoff? to 12 teams as it is being discussed very heavily and proposed, and I'm hearing all kinds of rumors about, or that would you keep it to the four that we are now?
1: If those are my only two options, then I'm keeping it at four. I think 12 is way too many. This is college football this, you can't just, and I know they do this in high school football, but it's a different level. You can't just play a game a week for like four weeks to figure out who your champion is. That's not how this works. You're going to devalue the regular season, which is the absolute best thing about college football, point blank. That's the best part of it. And I get it. You're going to make a lot of money. You're going to have a bunch of games on TV, but to have 12 teams make the playoff, you only have 130 teams total. I don't like that Eric McLean. Now, some fans of schools that aren't in the big three and aren't, you know, Clemson, Bama, Ohio State probably like it. And I get that. And I could see some positives, but I feel like you're watering it down way too much. And you're asking too much of these student athletes to expand it to 12. If given those two options, I'm sticking with four.
0: Yeah. And, I want and six I haven't though. read. Yeah, that's, that's right. I, I haven't read or, or, you know, really jumped into the article to see what all in entails, but if you're doing if you're expanding it to to 12 obviously that means a lot more games mm-hmm. so if I, there's an asterisk for me if we're doing that then we better get rid of some of these right. fcs terrible games that do not have any sense of being played and really you know protect these kids i'm with you though i think 12 is way too many i think my number right now is you know kind of looking at 8 you know i would love to conference champions in if you win your conference championship you're in the playoff, have two at-large bids and then have, I guess, technically another at-large bid for the G5 highest rated or an independent mm-hmm. highest rated. And I don't really even like that either because I want Notre Dame to have to join a conference. So that that's what I think what you do by expanding the playoff, though, Kelly, is you get more of the country involved. You know, right now, this mm-hmm. playoff has become so regionalized to where it's Clemson, Alabama, sometimes Ohio State, sometimes Oklahoma, but, primarily, you're looking at the southeast and, and that just you know really takes away and limits everybody else to where, okay, if I'm an Oregon fan, I don't care about any of those teams if I'm a Washington if I'm a pac twelve fan, I don't care about any of those teams. So I think when you look at it, it just it makes it so regionalized right now. I think there would be at least a chance for parity. now we could still get to the final four, final two, and it's still Clemson and Alabama, but at least there was a chance that somebody could sneak in there and, and, you know, be on a run or, or have, you know, two losses, but win their championship and they're just hot right now and, and you know, be able to stake up and, and make something happen. So that's where I wish it would get. I think 12 is way too many. And like you said, the, the regular season still needs to matter. It still needs to mm-hmm. be important. So it'll be very interesting to see what comes from these college football playoff meetings, because I think a lot of change is coming right at us.
1: I'm fine with eight. Twelve is ridiculous. I'm fine with eight. I, I, get, I totally get the argument for eight. But to me, the best part about college football is how much the regular season matters. So that's why I'm a fan of six. You have five conference champions and one at large. That can be if Georgia goes undefeated and loses to Bama in the SEC championship. That can be Cincinnati. That can be whomever. And then your first two teams get buys. And that shows you how much the regular season matters. Because we've, it's come down to two two teams that have been so much better than everyone else. Anyway, we have had so many blowouts in the semis, so might as well give those two teams a buy. And it also keeps that value on the regular season. So that that's my two cents there, Mac. But in the Yahoo article that I read today, one of the the main things that stood out to me is the TV contract they think they can get with this.
0: So massive. It's a you know, lot of dollars. Twelve teams it's means
1: more games, which means cash money for everyone. <laughs> Just
0: literally taking a bath in it. That's right. And, and I tell you what, um, just listening to your thoughts, the thoughts that I have, you know, if, if college football playoff guys, if you're listening, Hey, we figured out we're, we're available and, uh, we can add a couple of different meetings to our schedule. So just give us a call. We, we will make it happen, but guys, that's it for this episode. As always, our guy, our producer, Richmond Weaver does such a great job of producing this podcast and really makes us sound a lot better and smarter than we actually are so thank you to richmond go check out his podcast rich take on sports you can find that anywhere that you check out your podcast but again thank you guys for listening to this episode of Gramlick and mac lane brought to you by our great friends over at traeger grills we always appreciate you guys listening and if you haven't already go to itunes subscribe to our podcast drop us a rating write a review it's really fun to hear from you guys anything you want to hear or see on the podcast We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see y'all.